the structure and it all together with an elder he was like saying that we're creating a new future and he said that everybody if everybody who are like aligned and um like say say a prayer and say like give like a minute or a couple of minutes a day to give it to the collective because mm -hmm. he said like there's two things battling right now he said there's a lot of greed and like darkness as well as a lot of light and he's like if you want to contribute to the collective light we want, mm -hmm. because we want to come out of it like much more lighter and like much more elevated mm -hmm. and he said like like if he if he's like if anybody who wants to who feels gay like if you would do like a couple of minutes of prayer every day to the collective like health and collective life that would be really good so we're talking about like that and like really doing meditation on like collective good but also like um speaking about like new structures and like what people see in the world and how our economy works and things like that from a spiritual standpoint like what we want to see what, what what would be the vision and mm -hmm. how to get there we'll figure out but to get somewhere you need to know where you're going mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah it was really good i mean they're amazing the circles they're like giving you so much i feel like i don't know a lot of like enlightenment mm -hmm. and especially the mind cosmovision is so like so powerful mm -hmm. yeah you know that it's like they have like really like they knew what's gonna like it's like if you think about the lessons that each day bring and like it's really really cool mm -hmm yeah yeah so it's good join yeah. yeah definitely i love their ceremonies yeah like they've been doing it for like three weeks now like i like i haven't been like that active but i think like i want to do it every day because it's just such a good reminder mm -hmm. and it's so grounding too i did the uh i joined the akashic program with the assemblage ah yeah it's really cool yeah yeah, yeah it's like it. it's based on like the gene keys the gene keys yeah yeah which is really dope yeah he did rodrigo he did like a bunch of events on like akasha the game of life and um we, we really listened to richard rod and richard rod is incredible yeah he's he's really powerful he's yeah. so powerful he's really getting in into like he's really elevating everything like listening to him about like all these things yeah, I've listened to a bunch of it because I've been to all of the Kasha because I've been the one to like that Rodrigo tested it on, like about like a bunch of us, but like I was in the first test groups. It was very interesting experiences for sure. Mm -hmm. You're gonna like it a lot. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've done it. I, I do like it and it's a really good like reminder. What's your profile? Um so integrity mm -hmm. is is like a big topic for me is the, the the work the service um being on a mission mm -hmm. um obviously i mean it's very specific to um being on a mission that serves a higher purpose mm -hmm. but it's very creative it's mm -hmm. not it's not just it's i shouldn't say just because everyone's on a mission but it's not like being of service in the way that we typically think of it it's like being a server by being an artist yeah but sticking to vision 
which mm. is so on point because my message is often about how we as artists can lead by example mm -hmm. but it's for everyone because we're all really artists because we're all really creating our reality and um have our own unique perception of things. So yeah. we're, we're designing our life, whether right. you see yourself as an artist, you know, on the outside or not. Mm -hmm. And so my message has been for a long, long time since probably childhood mm -hmm. um, to, to stick to vision, you know, your chair mm -hmm. makes noise just so you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's my, I think it's my table. Because oh, okay. my, yeah. Okay. It's just, um, yeah, just to, to, uh, honor where you're at and in the mm -hmm. creative process, that really means not compromising, you know, right. there's a way to be flexible and a way to be fluid and a way to like move with the process. Right. But speaking to your vision, that's, but in honor of your vision yeah not to dumb it down or dilute the message because we can expand consciousness mm -hmm. by individual beings honoring their truth yeah you find that there's like a great intersection there yeah too it's not it's not as isolating as it as it may seem sometimes Mm -hmm. artists that stick to vision are seen as like radical or alienating mm -hmm. but actually it's usually speaking a universal language you know right maybe it seems ahead of the moment ahead of its time but I just I really believe in my heart that it is really important that oh absolutely you do the work to find your inner voice yeah and you, and you stick to your vision and you yeah. find your tribe and you you're not alone ever you know right so and it's just super inspiring mm -hmm. um there's a lot and of the love. world is moving there and the world is moving there like being like in like creative culture my residency like like our like our mentor is amazing he we did like every single time we did something interesting and new and um one of the things that we did once, like we did like table reads. So we were with each other's projects from the very beginning, from the very conception to like the very end, the very finish. So we were doing table reads and things like that. And like we were pitching at one point, we were just pitching ideas uh, to each other. And we were, we like basically had a, like a crash course on like how to critique each other in the creative space, how to be gentle with each other. Not like to say like, like, because we're all creative. So, and the same things like, some we growing up and we think, oh, we're so creative and everybody's like amazed by us, you know, as creative. They're like, oh, wow, this is like, you can come up with those things. But when you're in the space with everybody that creative and you forget about it, you can be like, no, you should do this and this, you know, like kids. I think uh, your, does your ear, is that? Earbuds, yeah. Is, is it like offer, it's like offering feedback or something? Offering feedback. One sec, I'm going to change my headphones. I don't know why. Maybe I can hear what you're hearing in your ear. I'm hearing you. I hear me. 
through you. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I hate when that happens. Yeah. I'm talking to my boyfriend and sometimes we're like... And I'm record. I've been recording. This is... Okay. This is part of One it. One sec. I'm going. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I can tell. That was it. Yeah. Is it better? Um, let's try. Can you hear me? Oh, it's a real static -y. Should we should we just go back? Should I leave and just come back? Because I don't know why. No, 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 that's not really gonna gonna work. We can try it. If you, if you need headphones, let's try it. Well, this is new headphones. Okay. So one sec. Why is it static key? Maybe I can change. It's okay. Mind. Let's not let's not focus on that right now. I'll, I'll okay. let you. I'll let you know if it. I haven't heard you talk enough to know okay. yet. I think okay. I think you have to be still. Is the thing though. Okay. I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't move much. No, not good. Super it's Like crackly. I don't know why. This mic. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Anyway. Do you need them? Headphones, yeah. My uh, my microphone doesn't work on my computer, so oh, that I can a little better. Yeah, yeah. Maybe just okay. keep it there and just. I <laughs> I need to move. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, you, you you move a lot, yeah. Yeah, I just I cannot stand stuff for a very very long time in the sun. Why? I mean, like, I can't like talk about that. <laughs> I don't know. I just like to move. I don't know. I, as I'm talking, it's like, I like, I like the movement. It but sounds like there's paper crackling. Like it literally sounds like the sound. I, have, I literally have no yeah, so I don't know what it is. And my chair is not like squeaking or anything. It was my table actually. So if I move, it's like nothing. Okay. There's no sound Right now I don't hear it. Yeah. Maybe it's when the, the thing hits your shirt. I think maybe it's the internet. And maybe it's the internet, something's up with the internet uh, because everybody, like our internet had some like troubles. So I'm not sure if that's the Okay, case. well anyway, let's like dive into our conversation. So yeah, okay. but I was saying like, like the world is moving in that space, like being in those creative, amazing spaces with everybody uh, and like such nurturing creative environments where like we basically enable each other to stick to our own visions. Mm-hmm. That's been like really amazing experience. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Okay, then let's dive deep then in our conversation. So let's let's start. Like we're gonna be talking. I'm gonna be talking to you mostly. So I wanna listen to um, your story with the humanizing the icon, maybe from the as much beginning as possible. Yeah. Like, where do you see is the beginning? Like, well. I feel like maybe where you kind of like, maybe let's start with like where this concept first like appeared in your mind. <laughs> where we're going back to childhood then. Yeah, well, well, like the the concept of like, well, like those are seeds to the concepts, right? Like you're going, but like, where did you like on this all humanizing the icon? Like, what is that? You were always fascinated, I know. But like humanizing the icon is very specific, like deciphering 
what I can is on like humanizing mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. So like, let's talk about that first because I feel like like this two words together is very specific mm-hmm. meaning. They have very specific. They energy. have specific meanings. Yeah, and specific. Yeah, I feel like they together specific energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so the question is, when did I come up with that term? Yeah, and why? Um, I guess the term really came to fruition. Um, in 2017, I had just shot my um, Mary Pickford film at the end of 2016, which I've been working on finishing ever since. Um, I had gone really deep into Mary Pickford's story, discovered her energy like way beyond a pioneer as the history books would call her, which is accurate on, a pl- on one plane of what manifested in her lifetime, which is she was the first woman at the forefront of Hollywood who birthed the majority of the initiatives that are intact today, from actors having their names in the credits, to the Academy, the Oscars, to actors being producers, movie star, philanthropist, face to a product, advertisement, all roads lead back to Mary Pickford. Um, So that was really the birth of our America's Sweetheart. That was the birth of our, in North America, pop, pop culture iconicism. Even though throughout the other parts of the world, surrealism art, religion, different things had created forms of icon. But for North America, this was the birth of our art movement really was with Hollywood and and Mary Pickford. Um, So I shot my film, I had gone deep into the rabbit hole with her story, found a lot of like interesting spiritual uh, connections that she and I had in terms of our exploration of indigenous wisdom and the frequency of love and the frequency of fear and um, relativity. She was friends with Einstein and Yogananda. And um, so like, who knew, you know, that as I dove into her story, I would discover really myself in a lot of ways. Um, And so Shortly after um, shooting, uh, my dad was incarcerated, which was like a lot to do with the brokenness of the system. It was something kind of silly and he ended up in jail and I ended up an advocate for him in Oklahoma. He ended up winning the appeal and the whole thing got overturned. It was like a white collar billing scenario with his business and all of that. So it was, like I said, a little ridiculous, but at the same time kind of heartbreaking because 
he had health issues and then he was in jail and like it was difficult and I went to Oklahoma I moved my whole post-production studio basically from New York to Oklahoma brought my editor set up shop in my dad's house advocated for my dad all day meeting with lawyers congress people mm -hmm. visiting him in jail mm -hmm. and then would go work with the editor at night you know trying to stay on track with the movie continuing to channel mary pickford who said that in her darkest hardest personal moments was her most profound creative work mm -hmm. so i was essentially using that as my mantra to get through my creative work and what I was doing for my family. And so this is going somewhere. <laughs> this is leading to humanizing the icon. Of um, one day I was just literally so exhausted emotionally, spiritually, energetically, physically, drained and so i decided to go onto airbnb and just pick a city where i didn't know anybody and do something i'd never done before which was take a month completely off of work mm -hmm. and i had been working since i was a kid and left home at 17 and didn't have much support and have been working ever since. I mean, I've never not worked. And so the place ended up being Montreal. Mm -hmm. And because I needed a Band-Aid one day when I was walking around looking for yoga studios, I basically landed in a deli where I found a flyer. Mm -hmm. I went to get a Band-Aid and I, because I had a blister and I found a flyer that said bhakti yoga. And I'd been looking for bhakti all over Montreal and they, it, they didn't have it. And then this fire said it and apparently this temple had just opened. So I went there, I met the two founders of this place, a couple, and they told me about the treatments they offer body treatments, Ayurvedic treatments, hands-on Reiki, like all kinds of different things. And there was one treatment where it's both of them, all four hands, and basically all of the treatments in one. I mean, basically, sound bath, Reiki, she does a facial, like you bathe in a bathtub of rose petals before it starts. Like I literally was like, sign me up. Mm -hmm. So I went there a couple of days later um, for the treatment. And during the treatment, I got a vision, like an actual kind of lucid dream vision with Mary Pickford's voice telling me I needed to have the sounds that I was hearing in the treatment in the movie. And I was like, wait, what? It was like Tibetan bowls and all this stuff. And I was just like, at that point, I just had period music, like music of her time. Mm -hmm. I hadn't really figured out my concept for music really yet. Mm -hmm. um, 
so I, these people were complete strangers to me, you know, and, but they, but the treatment took hours and then they served divine tapas afterwards. And mm -hmm. so I sat with them and I basically just said, Hey, I've been working on this film about Mary Pickford. You know who she is? I told them she's mm -hmm. actually from Canada. Her parents met in Quebec, which is a line from my movie. So I was actually in a place where she had roots. Mm -hmm. And I said, I've been editing for a long time and I'd love some, a fresh perspective, people I don't know to, to look at the film. They're like, oh my God, we'd be so honored. So I couldn't really say to these people who were basically yogis and healers, like, I, I want you to make music for my movie. I mean, I don't know if anyone's ever said that to them before and something told me like not to just jump right to that. Yeah. And so a couple of days later, I go back, I show them some scenes from the movie, not the whole movie. They were like, wow, this is really magical. Like they, mm -hmm. and they picked up on some messaging from it. Mm -hmm. They understood the character. Mm -hmm. They loved the artistic nature of it. They like reinvigorated me with excitement. Like they loved it. Mm -hmm. So I was able to say, okay, guys, I had a vision during the treatment the other day that, that you guys made music for the movie. Mm -hmm. And they didn't even act like that was strange. They acted mm -hmm. like they heard it every day. They were just like, amazing, let's do it. So of course there I was taking a month off of work and fast forward a couple days later, I'm in a studio making music for the movie. But it was so organic that it didn't feel like work. Right. And it was so raw. I had never done anything like this before. It was in their temple slash yoga studio. Mm -hmm. We set up all of our devices, iPads, laptops, smartphones, any app that we could record on, mm -hmm. we set to record. Mm -hmm. And I brought in Mary's book about universal love because the woman, Exodius, who is the, the healer, has this incredible voice. And so I thought, oh, it'd be cool to get her kind of chanting some of the words from this book. That's amazing. Which was so synchronistic because I had a, a, an art historian friend who helped me on the film, who I met on the street of New York, of like all places, <laughs> who lived in Quebec not in Montreal, but like a couple hours away, who had come to see me a few days prior and brought me the copy of that book that I'd given her. I didn't bring it to Montreal. And I didn't even remember that I had a friend near Montreal. So it was like, I had the book and I was like, oh my God, perfect. So we did that and then they were playing with the Tibetan bowls. They were doing all the stuff that I loved. She was chanting words from the book. And something happened to me in the energy of all of that. Like something opened. And I went onto my laptop and a couple laptops, I don't know. It was like a mix, I was like a DJ. I, I never DJed in my life, but I was like a mix master with the, the laptops where it was like all these icons, like pop culture icons 
of different eras, even like Princess Diana or mm -hmm. Prince or uh, Jim Morrison, um, even Britney Spears, like not necessarily people that had passed on, but people that represented iconic eras or iconic moments. Right. They started like flooding my my whole psyche. Like it wasn't a thought. Mm -hmm. It was just coming through. And so I'd go online and I'd find like news clips or different tracks and we would mix it with like the Tibetan bowl and we were doing this and that. And it was like this whole like kind of time collapsing, this whole like and and this Mary Pickford's voice was telling me like they're all trying to come through this movie like right. she's like the mother and she birthed celebrity and these were people that almost like sacrificed for their art and for their message mm -hmm. you know uh many of them have passed on and, and passed on young and when you pass away young you become even more iconic and I'm not saying that's positive or negative. Mm -hmm. I'm actually mm -hmm. saying it in a, in a neutral way. Mm -hmm. But it was like this moment of realization that Pickford almost had felt like guilt for like birthing celebrity. She almost felt like responsible. Mm -hmm. But it also transmuted into something, it was also quite beautiful it was almost like this collection of just like artists, you know, like poetry and art and humanity. And it wasn't like Jim Morrison as Jim Morrison. It was like the voice, you know, what, right. he, what and it was Princess Diana and it was like all these, and they all kind of came together. Mm -hmm. And I, and I realized like in that moment, I don't know if this stays or not in the movie, but in that moment in the creative process, they were meant to be in. Right. So after Montreal, it just so happened that my sound mixer for my films is in Toronto. And I went and stopped in Toronto on my way back to the East Coast in the States mm -hmm. and was like, yo, we gotta, we gotta put this in the movie. Like, I was like, this is, this is iconic mm -hmm. because she she's like the the mother and I'm like the ambassador and like they're trying to tell us things you know right. and it was really in conversation with those two artists Exodius and Satya that lived in Montreal that are now close friends but mm -hmm. started out as yogis that gave me a treatment Mm -hmm. um, where this term humanizing the icon really came up because we were discussing what happened last night. Like, whoa, we went all night. We didn't speak afterwards. I left, went back to where I was staying. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until a few days later where we were like, okay, what happened? <laughs> and then we started this whole kind of deep dive into what is icon? Mm -hmm. um, is it is it what is it because it's not the human 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a projection mm-hmm. and it predates obviously pop culture. Um, God, the, the, the word God is iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, an, an iconic earthquake, you know, an iconic virus, an iconic perpetrator. Mm-hmm. Weinstein became iconic. Like, what is icon, you know? And does it have to do with archetype and mythology? And how do we help people understand so they don't mm-hmm. seek it out, mm-hmm. you know? Um, anyway, idolization is, is dangerous and yeah. it's happening a lot through social media and the current generation is kind of coming up with this like angst around popularity and likes and right. creating their own sense of iconicism in, in, in this worldwide web and Anyway, so the conversation became very layered as we mm-hmm. started exploring. And I'm in a different place with it now than I even was then. But I would say that was the origin in terms of that term. My fascination with how we create identity, the, the fine line, really no line between art and life. Mm-hmm. Life is art. Art is life you know, has been an obsession since I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, in terms of this moment now, that term I would say became clear, you know, through channeling those various various artists. Mm-hmm. And originally with Mary Pickford, you wanted to, um, you were just fascinated by her, but you didn't know why or like what was the, origins of you creating like kind of going and diving deep and creating a story about Mary it's funny how it always leads back to art for me I actually discovered her in an art exhibit Uh it's funny because most people that know of her learned about her in film school or somewhere else but like I actually of course it was an art exhibit um Mm -hmm. in Toronto of all Mm -hmm. places where I was so Canada has a big place in this whole journey. Um, I was finishing my first film, which is an art film Mm -hmm. and, or they call it an art film. Mm -hmm. And um, I was doing post-production in Toronto and I was with my producing partner, Julie at the time. And we had five minutes to kill in a building Mm -hmm. where we had a meeting Mm -hmm. and we, it was the light box, the headquarters for the Toronto Film Festival. Mm-hmm. And that's where the exhibit was. And we had five minutes to kill and we walked in there and I saw just like your kind of typical museum-like messages on the wall of like what she had done. Yeah. And then images from her films were like playing on some screens. Mm-hmm. And I just remember, first of all, when it came to what she had done, thinking, why didn't I know? Why does no one talk about her? Just curious. Um, And then when I saw her performing in the footage, I was like, her aura, it just like, boom, got me. 
Julie said it was like seven minutes after we walked in there when I literally like grabbed her arm. Mm -hmm. It was like, we have to tell this story. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know what the story was, but I just knew that I felt like I had discovered a role model. I knew that I discovered a kindred spirit. I knew there was something. It was like love at first sight. It was like head to toe electricity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Something that completely moved me. Right. And... Yeah. And then I started, you know, I found, you started discovering. Yeah. I found a book. Um, of course started with a book Mm -hmm. and I was still finishing my first film and stuff, but we started like a slow, you know, lead into really developing the project. Um, tracking down historians, finding people that knew her mm-hmm. but it took a couple years before I, I I was deep in and then I was like whoa like she was such a visionary and she reminded me so much of Alice in Wonderland like so magical following signs and so creative and so supportive and just so wild and like yeah absolutely and like on like this like basic level right like on 3d like world she's like in like you were saying and i didn't know that like the fact that she was i can like all the like business even things that she's done right like like basically producing her own work getting her name in the credits and things like that that was like almost she created a blueprint right for that's why she was the the first icon in the sense of like the first icon in like a modern sense of it Mm -hmm. not like jesus would be like the 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 icon right that Mm -hmm. everybody knows but like a pop culture icon like the business things the the approach not even business i mean in like a perspective of like how she was involved right Mm -hmm. in this area of like film that was very very different for a woman first of all like a hundred years ago right 100 years ago but like for a woman and can you expand on that more because I feel like that's very interesting also which part the like like that she was producing also and she was in the in the credits and things like that like she put her name and like well sure she and then she created the the Hollywood yeah she got all actors their names in the credits um right it, it wasn't just her you know it was everybody it was everybody, yeah. Um, and it was the first time that it has been done? Yeah, yeah. She started acting on camera in 1909. Mm-hmm. And at that time, uh, the director and the cameraman, producers, there weren't really producers the way we know them, but um, mm-hmm. it, this was pre-Hollywood when she started. Hollywood didn't exist yet. They didn't even right. go to California yet. Mm-hmm. Um, those people had their names in the credits, but none of the actors did. Right. And she was the first actor 
that audiences really sent in letters to say, who's that girl with the curls? Mm-hmm. She became iconic through her image. Right. It was entertainment for immigrants and poor people. Mm-hmm. Uh, rich people were not going to see movies yet. It was considered dirty, cheap entertainment. Mm-hmm. Cost five cents. It was yeah. like, they considered it, if you were an actor on film, they considered it basically prostitution. Oh, wow. So when she started, she would like hide in her jacket. Like she didn't want anyone from the Broadway world to even see that she was going there. She was going there to earn money for her family. She wasn't going there because it was cool, you know? The theater right beforehand. Sorry? Oh, shit. One sec. My microphone. Uh, Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. She was an actress in the theater, right? Before. Yeah. She hadn't become a star, but she was, she was working on Broadway. Uh Yeah. Um, She wanted to be a Broadway star once she got like bit by the bug, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, my cat's coming to say hi. <laughs> hi. I, I, hear, I hear him. <laughs> so um, she, uh, so so she was known to be the most realistic mm-hmm. in her expression as an actress. She right. was the most relatable to audiences, that. the least melodramatic. Mm-hmm. So because they were really exaggerated back then. Exactly, they would be like. Crazy yeah. expressions. It was it was silent film and it was a different silent film. It was a yeah. different medium. Completely. But she was really into drawing from her personal life. She had like a sense of what acting actually was, and she'd been right. doing it since she was a child in vaudeville theater. Mm-hmm. Um, vaudeville was again really cheap, dirty entertainment, and it was to support the family. They were poor, mm-hmm. but um, this is what drew audiences to her. They saw themselves in her because she was more relatable in the way she expressed. And she was known for her eyes and she was known for her curls. So they started sending letters saying, who's the girl with the curls? Because she did not, no one had their names in the credits. Right. She also started getting recognized on the street Mm -hmm. and on the trains. And she would think she had something on her face. She talked about in her memoir. She didn't know why people were staring at her. Oh, wow. This, so it was literally before fame. Right, right. And she realized in her own mind, they were recognizing her. And she was like, whoa, you know? Yeah. And so she went to Griffith and it's that scene in our movie where it's like, if we're, it's the actors, the audiences want to reach out and touch. Yeah. They're coming to see us. Yeah. Why can't they know our name? Right. And, and if I'm going to be publicly humiliated by people staring at me on the street, yeah, I want more compensation and our name in the credit. So it had mm-hmm. to do with fairness right. for artists and it had to do with a connection to her audience. Yeah. And she was the most beloved Mm-hmm. And so if she walked away from this company, they wouldn't be having the same kind of success, let's success. say. It and still wasn't like a big money-making thing, yeah. but it was, it was evolving. 
she did end up leaving Griffith. Actors did start getting their names on the credits. She did spearhead that movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and she did not know that once audiences knew her name, her private life would start to become public. That started right. to make people feel like they actually knew the actors. So it's yeah. a whole psychology there. Yeah. So she didn't know any of these things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think. I mean, it didn't seem like. Maybe she yeah. can intuit certain things. Yeah, but I think it was so uncharted, uncharted waters that, like, she probably were, like, just being herself and not thinking about those things. Yeah, I mean... Until, like, it was really a thing. Exactly. And, you know, she was... She was also very clever, mm-hmm. you know, and she did crave, I think, some level of like social acceptance mm-hmm. and to be loved. Yeah. And especially in the early days, that connection to her, to her fans, which was unprecedented, right. was so important to her. I mean, there were no agents or publicists or gatekeepers. She would stop on the street and have full conversations about her life with with anybody. Yeah. Anybody. Yeah. She didn't even think not to. She thought they were an extension of, of her family. Yeah. She thought it was a real love. She thought it was a real connection, too. She did. She didn't know that they were projecting her characters onto her. Mm-hmm. That they didn't know her. Yeah. That they didn't love her. Yeah. And she didn't get that until later. Um, yeah. That's, I think, in when you were saying, coming back to that, like, iconicism in the sense, it's like, it's accessibility. Mm-hmm. Almost like it feels to me because people really like only closest people to us like even scratching the surface we are learning ourselves mm-hmm. what about other people who really know us like to the deepest of the levels right mm-hmm. like we really we're learning ourselves we don't know a lot about ourselves and when people are like oh i know you or i know this person i'm like no you don't know anybody <laughs> Mm-hmm. in the sense scratching we're learning ourselves do you know yourself you know mm-hmm. like that's the question and like what about other people like nobody's with us 24 7 but so closest people like our family our closest people they know us more intimately because they see us more they they have access to us more but like but icons and like people and pop culture people think they have the access but they don't mm-hmm so yeah. there, it's like a thing about accessibility to another human and like, and the people creating the icon from their own perception, from their own reality and what they read and see and etc. So it's like a puzzle they create, but that puzzle, like you're not, you don't have access to like the real root of things. Yeah. So and like, like you so said, like, I mean, there's also, um, We, like you said, we're getting to know ourselves. Yeah. Sort of an iconic figure unto ourselves, even. Exactly. You know, it's, it's a personality is not the person. 
No. You know? So yeah, my parents might know my personality well. Yeah. But they don't know the core me. Yeah. In my truest form. Yeah. Because they don't know themselves in that way. And when you don't know yourself in that way, you can't see anybody else purely and authentically. Exactly. Because we're all projecting. Yeah, and a lot of people think they know themselves. So that's why they think they know other people. Exactly. And it's a misconception. Yeah. I think it's a, maybe it's like, like people who are not awakened to themselves yet and to the world and like to really that everybody sees their own reality completely based on so many different things. Yeah. People don't even remember that we're part of nature. Yeah. (laughs) That yeah. That we are nature. Like if we don't even know that we're nature, Right. How can we think we have a sense of who we are? Yeah. You know, it's really funny, actually. It's, it's actually really funny. <laughs> and it's kind of, like, weird, right? Like, it's like people, like, fell asleep, deeply asleep, and they think they know everything. Well, I was, like, listening to this amazing talk, and it was like, okay, science is now saying, and I'm sure it will evolve, and there will be mm-hmm. new information in 100 years. Mm-hmm. for five years mm-hmm. um but right now we're at a place where we used to think that our conscious mind was controlling our experience mm-hmm. and our perception mm-hmm. but they say now in in modern science it's five percent our conscious mind and 95 percent our subconscious which is all behavior and program and habitual pattern adopted yeah. through our social conditioning, our parental condition, conditioning, our education system, our genes, everything. Things that we don't even, well, that's another thing they're saying that like we're not even controlled by our genes. You know, we're mm-hmm. literally what's being input into our subconscious is right. actually the life. through all this programming and this messaging and this mm-hmm. images and these stories and like all of this information. Right. And so the question is, are we leading conscious lives or unconscious lives? Mm-hmm. Because if we're just acting upon programming, Mm-hmm. And that programming actually activates genes. Mm-hmm. It's not really like, oh, I have this thing because my mom had this thing. Right. It's like, no, that thing got activated in you. And maybe yeah. that thing also got activated in your mom. But it's right. not because she's your mom. And that's what they're figuring out is that you can actually, by reprogramming yourself, Mm-hmm. and creating new neuropathways and synapses in your brain, which we now know the brain is elastic. Yeah. You can, you can, you're not a victim of your genetic makeup. Yeah. You can actually turn off certain genes and turn on certain genes mm-hmm. just by like taking control of your own programming. Mm-hmm. But when you get into the icon, it's like, yeah, we're spending so much time looking outward. Mm-hmm whether it is a person or a movement or fear around a thing going on, like Mm -hmm. right now, like an iconic situation 
or mm-hmm. idolization or mm-hmm. money is iconic and we bow down to it but we created it it's a symbol that man made but yet man has become subservient to it but man made it yeah <laughs> it's like again you get into these loops where you're like wait what exactly i am a servant to a thing that i essentially created right and so there's these- I created this thing to control something and now it controls me. Right. But I'm it's controlling me because I want it to. Right. Because I don't want to take responsibility. Mm-hmm. I would rather say money is the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. And blame it for my yeah. anxiety. Yeah. But in fact, money in itself can't be evil. No. Only the energy that you infuse it with because it's just a symbol. Yeah. The evilness comes from inside. Mm-hmm. And that's what we don't want to look at. Right. We want to think of evil as bad. So we yeah. should therefore repress that. Right. And detest and, it and right. judge it. Yeah. But it's not bad. No. It's a part like we have all the energies inside of us we right. have all, and when you unravel from any system mm-hmm. you're faced with what's actually going on inside you don't have the system to blame you know yeah but the ultimate question is can you be can you be one with the system mm-hmm. do you have to completely unravel from the systems in order to get a sense of clarity, mm-hmm. you know, like a man I watched a documentary about mm-hmm. who literally denounced his whole identity, gave up his driver's license, his social security number, all legal documentation, built his house with recycled materials, created his own power source, his own water source. Mm-hmm. He's not part of the system. Mm-hmm. He's completely self-reliant except mm-hmm. for a cell phone. That's the only thing. Right. But can you be one with the system and have a sense of like your own individuality, your own voice, your own understanding of your nature, Mm -hmm. you know? And so this is here, here lies the questions, you know? And I feel like with humanizing the icon, it brings us into all of that territory. People think, oh, icon is we're talking about fame. No, Mm -hmm. we're literally talking about everything, you know? Yeah, it's like a universal concept, like, because icon, like, represents, like, everything. Mm -hmm. And I feel like almost that's why I'm, like, the, the humanizing, the icon has a very interesting energy because humanizing, what is humanizing? Because we speak a lot about the icon, what is humanizing now? Almost feels like energy that counteracts the icon. That is like comes in and like brings like so much di- like a different thing to the table, like compassion and you know, mm-hmm. like what is what is humanizing something? What is human human? For me, it's like right now, and again, it's just yeah. like an evolving thing. It's always an evolving yeah. thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's it all has, we can do. It has to do with what we were just discussing, right? authenticity Mm -hmm. 
it's not just compassion and love and light, you know, it's, it's embracing the darkness yeah, embracing and, the demons the and knowing that that which you hate in others is that which you hate inside yourself. And self-hate perpetuates a lot of this anxiety. Mm -hmm. But we only want to blame politicians and, and this and that and this and that. And but, but we all created this and that. Mm -hmm. There's no human that's not human. Right. Every human is human. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we can get even more into the ecosystem and how we treat animals and, and plants, and, but we won't even go there because we need to like start with ourselves. ourselves. Yeah. It's hard to have empathy for all beings right. and the earth as a living entity, which it is, Yeah. if you don't even have love for yourself. Right. The idea of being self-conscious in pop culture has represented insecurity. Mm -hmm. But being self-conscious to me is conscious of self. Right. You know? And insecurity is a beautiful thing. It's mm -hmm. vulnerability. We yeah. all have it. Yeah. You know? But people are killing themselves over it. Right. So humanizing to me is just basically surrendering to the simple fact that we're all human. Right. You know, all. Mm -hmm. In poverty, terrorists, then, everyone is right. human. Absolutely. I have a big star of a terrorist. Like, and they, and they, in, in like, how can we stop these, horrific events from taking place mm -hmm. if we're not willing to face our own inner demons. Right. We would rather, I guess, as a collective, have a major event. Yeah. To blame. Yeah. For our issues than actually take the time to look and say, oh, wow. Yeah. I, I, I have my own issues like yeah. deep from we carry a lot for our lineage and the collective and um it's not just like you as one being are full of issues it's just like <laughs> we all have a lot going on inside of us but we right. have the power to transmute that exactly so does that make sense no absolutely that it makes a lot of sense because I feel like I like the simplest way to put this on was like, it's like humanizing something, humanizing something as powerful as icon, iconicism and icons. It's almost like awakening to the reality of like that. So, and yeah. yeah, and like, and it's all about the love. And like, this is where the love comes in. It's about like loving and accepting yourself. So hence, loving and accepting like iconicism in a way because i because it's a delusion right and so it's like seeing kind of have like in the conscious way how to process almost like in your mind saying i don't know the full reality of this human or the money or 
anything that is an icon, right? Mm-hmm. So it's having that, like, not doubt, but like leaving that room to mm-hmm. flow, kind mm-hmm. of for expansion in like about anybody or anything that is has been like perceived as like this is what it is mm-hmm. like this is the icon this is the person and we know this person it's having that understanding that we're learning ourselves and hence we like there's we're far away from that human or a concept to learn it so having that room and curiosity i guess to explore and learn and humility in a sense Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so it made like it made a lot of sense to me because when you said it like something clicked on my mind about this because i'm like what is humanizing something right Mm -hmm. and and like when you said something clicked and i'm like oh i feel like it's really actually leaving that space in your mind being very conscious leaving that space in yourself and your heart and your soul for exploration for curiosity and mm-hmm. for not like an expectation or like putting a specific stamp or you know like categorizing anything etc mm-hmm. like like leaving room for expansion mm-hmm. at all times about all things mm-hmm. yourself anything yeah creating space i think is 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 vital mm-hmm. because there's like this kind of almost gap between our personality and ego Mm -hmm. and divinity, our divine self, our higher self. Absolutely. And we fill this gap with self-medicating devices, Mm -hmm. all kinds of things, technology, interactions, um, foods, like whatever it is, like, fill it, fill it, fill it, fill it with being busy. Mm -hmm. But if you allow that space to exist and save that space for what's worthy of that space, yeah, you might find more calm within your nervous system. And that's why meditation is so incredible. Yeah. Because it gets you to that level of homeostasis where real healing can actually take place. Because when you're just in the mind right. and it's sort of this like ping pong kind of monkey, like mind thought to thought to thought to thought to thought, oh, mm-hmm. get stuck on a thought, fall into the thought, obsess about the thought. Like when you're doing that constantly, mm-hmm. like you said, there's no room for expansion, but the yeah. space exists. It's, yeah. like, it's like cleaning out a closet to make room for the new wardrobe. Yeah. You know, you're not going to like have a full closet that's overflowing. Mm-hmm. and just go buy things and shove them in and shove them in. I mean, you might, but eventually it's going to explode right. or you're going to just go so crazy. You're going to have to clean it out. Right. Um, so it's like, yeah, if you can just start chipping away at those like mental loops and just observe, like mm-hmm. I fixate on this thing. Mm-hmm. What would life be like if I didn't, you yeah. know? Because the energy towards our problems is always there, especially yeah. if the subconscious is doing so much of the work. Working you don't actually us. have to think about things all the time. Yeah, you don't really. Just when you get a flash of inspiration and you know mm-hmm. in your gut, mm-hmm. oh, I should act on that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, 
chill. <laughs> exactly. I feel like it just takes a lot of guts to explore yourself. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, and I hope everybody's awakening, but like it takes a lot of guts to go deep inside of you. Mm-hmm. It really does. Like to really like learn yourself, accept yourself for everything that you are. Absolutely. Everything with God. And I feel like it's so much courage that like, that I'm envisioning everybody's growing courage. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When I did an ele- a 10 day silent retreat mm-hmm. uh, with Vipassana, mm-hmm. I had that like schizophrenic experience because yeah. I was stripped away of all my self medicating tools, right? even exercise, all the journaling, all these things that are considered healthy in regular life right. are still a form of reinforcing our mental loops sometimes, right. you know, when you journal, Absolutely. it's like you're feeding your story. You're just, um, so at Vipassana, they take all those things away from you. Mm-hmm. And there were times when I saw real darkness. And things that I thought was only in the news or in mainstream media or blockbuster movies, like the the essence of the dark archetypes. Right. But I experienced it really within me. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, I'm in such gratitude that that's not what I lead with in the world but I had such great empathy for those that are plagued, so to speak, by that energy Mm -hmm. because I really felt it and it was really scary. Yeah. And I would not want to be operating from that place. Absolutely. But that's also part of the human experience. There are those that do. No, of course. And, and that's, and that's okay. we, yeah. we're born to we're born to live like everybody have so much baggage we live many lifetimes and we come here and we have a job to do you know like when i did my kashik records opening with like this incredible human he everybody says he's a jesus and reincarnated his name is santiago if you need a contact and over here we're talking we're recording now but on a personal level he's incredible and he's so kind like one of the like kindest people i met like so much love and he wrote this book on divine masculinity and he opens akashic records and no better person to open them for you and then he channels and it's a crazy experience actually Mm -hmm. it's crazy in a way of like you would never i like like if you're taking medicine for example like you know that there's something showing you the way when there you're doing a kashuk record if they're even though it's a human and you've meditated you mean plant, you mean plant medicine not pharmaceutical yeah medicine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah plant medicine absolutely that's the only medicine i <laughs> i consider medicine yeah but um there's lots of medicine yeah i know yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> plant medicine is the medicine <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you know i come from russian culture that's all we have you know like we have like very holistic drugs kind of thing, you know, like, but very holistic approach. But like in Russia, that's all we do, you know, like grandmother's cooking something for us when we're sick. We don't take anything. Yeah. But like you grow, like my family, like my, my, my uh, 
female line is very strong because they all grew up in the forest mm. they're like except my mom like and but like my grandmother they grew up in the forest and i grew up in the forest too like we spent a lot of time in the forest and it was like the most majestic time because like you're one with the nature but like as a child you you know that you're playing in this beautiful fields and like the most beautiful memories is like me like playing with the flowers and like you know and like just like seeing the nature observing and like being part of the nature with like it was most incredible and just eating what you find and like not even bringing food with us like we would like just take mushrooms and eat berries first we eat them then we collect them when we're full and like our bellies are giant because you're small and you eat so much berries and that's what you ate but like that's feeding your body and like that's feeding your soul in a completely different and a powerful way mm-hmm. that's why they're so strong like russian like like very old like women they're like almost like there's a lot of shaman women and like my grandmother is like one of them like they cook their medicine like but like they cook things with a completely different Mm. approach and that's the medicine like you feel the love like it's nourishing you sometimes i pretend that i was sick so yeah my grandmother not feeling good (laughs) <laughs> she would like she would collect raspberries and like mm-hmm. in Russia we preserve a lot of things but like mm-hmm. she would dry them and she would put them in this like a very specific like uh, thing that she would make and I really craved that for a long time like dried raspberries with like this thing so to pretend I, I get sick it was really funny <laughs> but like I, I I lead my way but um with Akashic Records when he opens the, the records and like we understand as a collective i feel like if people understand and open and expand their minds our souls are traveling this is like the clothes our bodies like the clothes that we are changing our soul is here to learn something right mm-hmm. so opening all this record it was like mind opening for me in so many ways and in a way of that we're all just souls that came for a specific reason and like my lifetimes weren't like all perfect right like actually they were all crazy and so like, what do you think about humanizing the icon i mean yeah in that sense i just feel like maybe iconicism in a sense what's what's coming to me is uh like i like a lesson mm-hmm I feel like in like a grander scheme, like a kindness is the lesson of perception, mm-hmm. a lesson of, um, a lesson of, I guess, like, it's, it's really hardcore because. I think that's good. I elusive. think that, I think, I, yeah, it's elusive, but I love what you just said about it's a lesson of perception. Yeah. And just that it's a lesson period. Period. And it's a, it's a paradigm yeah. that can change mm-hmm. and probably needs to. Yeah. And it's, but it's elusive in a way of like, it's hard to discern mm-hmm. because like in our, like, I feel like it's lesson for like a lot for our unconscious, but like mostly for the 5% of our conscious mind too. Understanding that like, because I feel like in the unconscious, if you're working with the unconscious, it knows because we have innate kind of navigation systems, right? Within us. Mm -hmm. So we kind of know, but like our conscious doesn't. 
most mm-hmm. of the time. So our conscious goes and attacks things from fear. Our brain thinks we're always under attack because that, that's how we evolved as humans, right? Mm-hmm. We evolved to survive. I mean, fear is iconic. It is. You know, it's, it's, it's something we're beholden to. Like, we're kind of in the age of fear. Yeah. Um, I think we're in the big purge where we're trying to get out of that. Yeah, but but that's getting every, out of that. You everything know? that's iconic that we see as iconic, which we have to realize is not. Mm-hmm. It's not like just human form. It's all these things we embody. You know, God like godlike qualities. Mm-hmm. We have that. We're mm-hmm. creators. You yeah. know, fear. We've been programmed to be in fear that's iconic. We have that. We embody that. Like we have all of these things, mm-hmm. the iconic performer, the iconic artist right? that radiates something that we want to connect with. Yeah. We have I that too. Something, right? We, we have, we have it all. Yeah. I don't know. This is a discovery. It's a big discovery for me to realize that I, by exploring the icon, we're exploring everything existential, everything in life from mythology to God, to the system, to fame, to self, to like, it's everything. And even the term humanizing the icon, which is sort of like polarizing. Yeah. That's what I was saying. That's what I was like. It's not. Yeah. Even that's bullshit. Yeah. What's humanizing and what's icon? It's everything and nothing. Yeah. It's todo y nada. <laughs> you know, it's it's just something to be a catalyst mm-hmm. to have these conversations. Yeah, but like polarizing, I feel like in a way I was trying to say the word polarizing, but like I didn't like I was like it's like opposite, but not but like it's polarizing because like icon is like elevation, like almost like it brings you that like what is the energy of each word? And it's like trying right. to it's like finding the human in the icon and the icon right. in, the, in, in the, the human. human. Yeah. It's it's polarizing, but it's, it's also the same because yeah. Exactly. Our dualistic perception of life is an illusion. Right. There's not light and dark. Mm -hmm. There's light in dark. There's dark in light. Mm -hmm. You know, it's everything is, it's a tapestry. It's a recipe. It's a fluidity. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a dark room and and you light a flashlight or you light Mm -hmm. a candle. Mm-hmm. The dark and the light aren't separated. Right. They just are. Yeah. You know? And so the human and the icon are the same thing. That's true. You know? We're yeah. as iconic as the solar system. But not but but nothing is iconic. Everything's mm-hmm. iconic and nothing's iconic. Right. It's just interesting. That's interesting because like it's empowering. It's imp- it's super empowering. I feel like it's incredibly empowering. Do because you feel, like yeah. 
Yeah, I love it a lot. <laughs> because like we're all icons within our own right. People just don't know it. So they place it on some into something else. Mm-hmm. Or it's where something else is also as normal as you are, as human as you are. Mm-hmm. And everyone and has like a purpose. Such a circle, right? And everyone has a voice and everyone has a has a vibration. Right. And just That's like really the, the 300 trillion cells in your body. Yeah. They're all communicating. They're all dancing. They're all doing yeah. things. Yeah. And each human mm-hmm. is like the cell of the planet. Right. So imagine if we were in harmony, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If you realize the icon within, which mm-hmm. is that while we are all one, there's mm-hmm. also no one that can be you. Right. Like you are an icon. Right. Just by being here. Yeah. So if you spend your time comparing yourself to other people and trying to be like other people and wondering why this is happening to them and not to you, mm-hmm. you're using all your creative energy yeah. to figure out something that's just completely... That you will never figure out. Never. Ever. Yeah. 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 So it's like, it's like the game of hide and seek, mm-hmm. but you'll never find. Yeah. Yeah. And that's no. beautiful and empowering. I feel like the concept in it in its like in its in its own like a very empowering concept to humans, just to us to and it's like to go inward and to seek that icon within you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? To like bring it up and live in your power. Exactly. It's about alignment and living in your power. Exactly. And and artists are just great channels. For this yeah. like I've loved on on my online chat series during quarantine to like yeah. be talking to artists um, yeah. just because they have a non-linear way mm-hmm. of perceiving things um, right to to be consciously an artist yeah you have to operate also with the right brain right which is where the intuition lies yeah so I've been having fun. I talked to a singer songwriter a couple of weeks ago. She's mm-hmm. also a photographer. I talked to a girl who's from Russia. Mm-hmm. She's a, a model, but also a comedian and an actress. And it's just, again, it's like wearing so many different hats. But creativity doesn't have a hat. Creativity is a channel. Right. So it's just, we're just, like, we're just speaking the language. Artists are people who are just almost like translating this channeling into something tangible right Mm -hmm. in a way like artists are just like people like living in this country of artists that speak that language the language of like trans and translating into this world sure however you see it it's perfect (laughs) i believe all of it i believe all of it (laughs) yeah in a way like that's what they think of artists like just like translating the channel yeah it's perfect yeah did um yeah is there anything like is there anything else you wanted to know about uh we have mailed a lot of stuff yeah it's up to you well um maybe like i think the like we i asked the questions i wanted about the and it went into a completely different place <laughs> not different but I was like this is interesting um but maybe uh like I wanted to know like 
you said you were always fascinated like with like the 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 idea of the icon and like the humans and i'm in care about like how was this like why were you maybe or like how did you perceive it as a child you know like thinking about those things like do you remember yourself like you know thinking about this and like channeling maybe or like living that experience as like any anything yeah I mean I just I I I felt like from a very I I felt like from early childhood that life was a dream Mm -hmm. like I didn't think that I didn't see it as real Right. Um, I had a first, you know, out of body experience that I remember in first grade mm-hmm. where I was like floating above the classroom mm-hmm. thinking it was crazy that there was like yeah. a teacher telling us what to do and what to think. And like, nothing was wrong with her. She was a super sweet lady, but it was just yeah. like, this is weird. Like what is going on? I like, had the same, um, and such a weird uh, feeling. And so, and I always was like curious why people behaved the way that they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very observant and just mm-hmm. thought the whole thing seemed like a movie. It, mm-hmm. it just didn't have this like grounding to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was very like, it felt like fantasy. Mm-hmm. Like actual life for me kind of felt like fantasy a lot mm-hmm. um it was because you were kind of detached in a way like you were like I was a, it almost yeah like. I was I was a bit detached but I was also like I had a wild imagination and like right. insane curiosity mm-hmm. you were interested but you're kind of observing things yeah and I used to write poetry when I was really young you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and I just thought that there's a lot more to this existence than Mm -hmm. what I'm witnessing. Mm -hmm. And I was into existential things like really, really young. And Mm -hmm. I got into psychedelics really, really young. Like I just Mm -hmm. kind of wanted to expand from a very young age and also find coping mechanisms for Mm -hmm. things that were challenging that I just didn't want to deal with. So eventually I had to deal with those things, but like I figured out that this life experience is an aspect of reality. Mm -hmm. It helps me to deal with my own traumas and my own things Mm -hmm. so I can like heal and move on and forgive Mm -hmm. and move on. Mm -hmm. But I can still see those traumas as just stories to help mm-hmm. me get lessons and grow. I don't have to attach to them as trauma mm-hmm. and let them plague me as if I'm like a victim. Right. You know? So seeing life as a sort of fantasy or dream really helped me figure that out. But that also made me fascinated with what's art and what's mm-hmm. fame and how do people become larger than life when mm-hmm. they're not larger than life. They are life. I didn't... Mm-hmm. You know, and so Andy Warhol as a teenager was fascinating to me because due to his social rejection, he sought fame so he Mm -hmm. could have the social acceptance that he didn't have as a child. Mm -hmm. He manifested his fame. Mm -hmm. And that was the art form, not necessarily the product. 
right. him himself. And so I just, then I've gotten interested in art and surrealism. And um, I used to see soap operas with my mom or something. And I would think that like, when I was a kid, I would think what's happening in a camera is just as mm -hmm. real as what's happening in my house. Mm -hmm. It's an aspect of reality. It's a dimension right. of reality. And then mm -hmm. once I studied acting mm -hmm. and I studied Meisner and he said the best quote, acting is living truthfully in imaginary circumstances. Mm -hmm. so I'm like, oh, that's what this all is. That's what you're doing on a film set. That's what you're doing in life. Right. These are all circumstances. Right. But can you live truthfully? Mm -hmm. And that's why directing became such a natural progression for me. Right. Because I can support people in their journey to live mm -hmm. truthfully within right. those circumstances. Right. And you find more truth on set than you do in real life a lot of times. Right. Because we don't have we don't give ourselves permission yeah. to be honest. Right. As if you're really interested in, in performing truthfully as yeah. an actor. You have to get honest. You, you kind of have to, but yeah. it's very freeing to be yeah. able to do that. Yeah. So it's been an ongoing state of affairs. I mean, yeah. people in high school knew I used to give whenever we got to write an oral presentation or give speech or do anything, it mm -hmm. would always be existential for me. Right. Always. Yeah. I was very, very vocal about it. <laughs> um, so it started young. Mm -hmm. well, so, I mean, maybe it's a big question and we touched so much about it, but like, what is art for you? Life. Life. Just yeah. life. It's infinite. Yeah. In you know, it's infinite. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you do, what role you yeah. play. Yeah. You know, I think like you said, as, as artists in the sense of like what we do, mm -hmm. um, we're more consciously sometimes, not all, but a lot of us are more conscious about the fact that we're vessels yeah. and we are channeling. Mm-hmm but it doesn't matter if you're an accountant or a politician or any role a driving a taxi it doesn't matter yeah we're all vessels mm -hmm. we're all creating and manifesting and but some of us are aware that we're doing that you know yeah. so it just depends where you're at in your journey Mm -hmm. um, but to me art is life mm -hmm. and life and and death is life yeah life is just capital l all encompassing all encompassing yeah yeah for sure and i think the last thing is like stuck in my mind as well and i forgot about it for a second and now i memory uh, you said that like Pickford coming back to her that she kind of felt the weight of like what she's created mm -hmm. and like I feel like there's no better person to create this 
than her because she was so pure in her heart and like in her spirit. Mm-hmm. But again, that's my perception. Mm-hmm. So I don't know her, but like her energy is like kind. And that's what I feel. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't want to make like icon in my mind and say this is, but like, why do you think like she, uh, like, what do you think about this? Like, no, I, I, I see it that way. Like for me, she, yeah. um, she's, she's human. Mm-hmm. But she's, she's a human icon, you know, yeah. she, she had a lot of wild dramas, mm-hmm. made a lot of what she would have called mistakes as the human, but mm-hmm. really they were life mm-hmm. lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a adventurous journey, lovers and affairs and generosity. And she acted in over 200 roles. She went dark. She went light. She transcended age, ethnicity, and gender. She, she just reveled in her fearlessness in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. though as the human, I know she felt scared sometimes, of course. Yeah. but she let that motivate her. She let that yeah. be like a reminder yeah. of her own worth, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I, I do admire that. And yeah. she's also, and like all of us, she represents archetypes, you know, yeah. she's not, I didn't know Mary Pickford physically on earth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um at least in this lifetime uh yeah. but she represents mother yeah um she represents the integration of masculine and feminine she was running the business and yeah. she was the most vulnerable artist actress at the time at the same time that she was negotiating her own contracts and like mm-hmm. running running the show yeah I mean she founded United Artists and she ran it you Mm -hmm. know um so yeah she just is if she was a leader she was a leader and she was so spiritual so to come out of the limelight and to write a book on universal love Mm -hmm. is really beautiful yeah, really, I would love really, to read that book. Really beautiful, yeah. you know? But yeah, I mean, she was fucked up like all of us, but yeah. in, such, in such beautiful ways, like we all yeah. are. And she was, she was, um, but she was em- real. Embracing that. Yeah, she, she was, was embracing. Real. Yeah, she embraced, like, I think her fears and everything. And she encouraged she artists to that. preserve vision. Yeah to not dumb things down right like she wanted hollywood to be expansive to humanity yeah which it is but maybe not on like yet not in a way that like maybe she envisioned no not yet not yet but no. i mean who knows you see we're working on it we're working on it <laughs> it's no one's fault we're working on it yeah you know? um, and, like, and the thing is that it's like a child growing you know like in a sense of like 
it's completely okay. Like to gain power, maybe in a sense, like power with different concept, but like to gain this like expansive power in this world, like as a Hollywood, as a machine, and then like at some point bring powerful, expansive vision and messages to people who are already receptive, receptive to it. it. It can like really drive a huge change. Yeah. So we're shifting the icon of Hollywood. Hollywood. Which yeah. Holly is holy and wood is earth. And yeah. it is a storytelling field and it is really powerful. Yeah. But it's been used for propaganda. It's been used for a lot of things that are emotionally manipulative and a little mm -hmm. bit fear-based. Yeah. Um, at least I feel like Hollywood is a teenager. You know, so <laughs> it's okay. We're not mad. But no, we're not. We're just, yeah, Hollywood's a teenager. So, um, <laughs> and we're talking about Hollywood as an energetic field. You know, we're not talking yeah. about a person or a thing it's, no absolutely yeah, not. we want to raise that vibration so a hundred percent that comes with encouraging artists to yeah be yeah fearless. be fearless yeah it's good That's for good. everyone i agree i think i'm good with questions i think we're like we've talked about a lot of things and like i have a lot of material for for starters and then we well, can I'll, um, I'll stop recording because i think we're going to end up posting this it was a really beautiful conversation and i think it was like, really beautiful really enlightening and thank you for asking such good questions and like sharing so much too <laughs> of course and i I'm, I'm just genuinely interested in like i think it's such a beautiful place we find ourselves in I agree. You know? Okay, I'll stop recording. Like, for I'm now. so grateful. I'm yeah. grateful too. Thank you. Okay, hold on a sec.